just receive understanding. Let that be your prayer. That understanding, understanding be given to you this evening. That understanding be sent your way this evening. In the name of Jesus. Pray. Say, Lord, I open my heart. And I truly, I ask that you give me understanding. Pray for yourself. Say, Lord, as your word will be coming forth this evening, I just open my heart to receive light. I open my heart to receive understanding. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for what you'll be doing this evening. Thank you, Lord, for understanding that you'll be sending our way. Thank you, Lord, for the people that you will heal. Thank you, Lord, for direction that you send our way. We'll bless your name forever. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. Amen. All right, can we quickly take our declaration of understanding as we begin to study? One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. If you believe it once again, give me another amen. amen. Understanding will be your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord will speak to you spe- specially and unravel a confusing part of your life for you today in Jesus' name. Goodness will be released into your activity as a result of insight. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Before you sit down, can I just give three people around you and bless them? Bless them with a word, you know? A word. Speak like one man told me. Speak from your spirit. Speak from your spirit and bless somebody. As soon as you are done with that, take your seats. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's ask if you want to read the scriptures. I'm not hoping this will be a series. I really teach long series. The one we just finished, I found out was 15 different messages on building up our faith. But let's just do something short, exalt, correct, instruct in righteousness. Alright, let's open our Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 30. And I want to read a long portion. And um, I don't know, should I read all by myself? All of us should read it together. I don't know. Okay, what I'm going to do is I want to read, just pay attention in your Bibles. I just want us to stand and read, but I, want, I would like you to pay attention in your Bibles. I want to read from the New Living Translation because it's going to lay the emphasis in a very dramatic way. All right? What sorrow awaits my rebellious children? I'm reading the first 26 verses. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up sins. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. It says you have tried to hide in his shade. By trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. For though his power extends to Zon. And his officials have arrived in Hanes. All who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. He says, instead, he will disgrace you. 
This message came to me concerning the animals in the Negev. These are transportation devices, if I'm using the expression. This is the message. The caravan moves slowly across the terrible desert to Egypt. Donkeys weighed down with riches and camels loaded with treasure, all to pay for Egypt's protection. They travel through the wilderness, a place of lionesses and lions, a place where vipers and poisonous snakes live. Let me add a word, a place where people drown in the Mediterranean. Just to reflect some things going on these days. All these, and Egypt will give you nothing in return. Egypt's promises are worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab, the harmless dragon. Now go and write down these words, the Lord was saying. Write them in the book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instructions. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. This is the reply of the Holy One of Israel. Because you despise what I tell you, and trust instead in oppression and lies, calamity will come upon you suddenly, like a bulging wall that bursts and falls. In an instant, it will collapse and come crashing down. You will be ashamed like a piece of pottery, shattered so completely that there won't be a piece big enough to carry coals from a fireplace or a little water from the well. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you will have none of it. You said, no, we get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill. Please, before I continue reading that, I just want to back up and read that verse 16 in the New American Standard. There's a way it is. He said, and you said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee. And we will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. Let me continue reading New Living Translation. It said, One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountain top. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him. So he said, the Lord must wait for you to come to him. So he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. You will see, see your teacher with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go. 
whether to the right or to the left, then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, good riddance. Then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvest. Please don't say amen, please. I'm not prophesying. All right? Then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvest and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain. Is chaff blown away by the wind. In that day, when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be as bright as the sun, and the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days in one. So it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people. It says, so it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds he gave them. Praise the Lord. Let's take our seats. That's Isaiah chapter 30. I read from verse 1 to verse 26. I read mostly from the New Living Translation because I wanted us to get the, um, the message very clearly. A few of those verses I would have loved to read in New American Standard. I did one. I think that was verse 16 uh, because I felt that the message, uh, the more literal one, seems to be better. All right? There are a few of them like that. But I just want to charge up with something briefly today. I don't know how to title it, even though I know what exactly I am trying to bring across to the people of God. Now, let me start again by saying something I've said many times. Life is spiritual. Somebody say amen. amen. As a matter of fact, life is hot, is spiritual. Life is not based, is not an accident. You know, every day I read, in fact, because I catch most of my international news from BBC News. And uh, so I have the app, I just, and then, you know, they have different segments, okay? So one of the ones, you select the ones you want to read so that it will show up for you regularly. So, for example, I don't bother with um, South African news. I don't, South America, I wanted to say, I don't bother with sports. I don't bother with, um, what do you call it, the, the uh, Arab news. I don't bother with um, entertainment. I don't bother with, you know, because, I mean, <laughs> there's so much time you have. But one of the ones I subscribe to is health. So I, I, I like to know because of my natural profession. Just see. So they keep on reporting things. And then when they report things, sometimes all they can do is laugh. And this is where I'm going. They report a lot of things. Every time, the one, last one I read is that they said that those who sleep less than eight hours a day are likely to die quicker than those who sleep eight hours. But those who sleep nine hours a day are likely to die quicker than those who sleep eight hours. That is, once you sleep too much, you will die. If you sleep too little, you will die. <laughs> so, of course, instantly, I just say, come on. And then these reports are written, well, maybe informed people, but they really are not core medical practitioners. But they are reading medical journals and reporting from them. So I feel like, no, I need to read that study properly. And, I mean, of course, there are issues. I don't want to discuss that in details now. And towards the end of it, I saw that, okay, yes, this point I was trying to make, that maybe the people that were sleeping too much, they were already, something was already wrong. Anyway, then tomorrow they they will tell you, they find out those who drink a little bit, that they, they, they do better health-wise. Those who don't drink at all do worse. Then after three months, you read that, no, that's not true. Those who drink, they are all bad. Whether you drink little or drink plenty, drinking is bad for you. The next, you now find, no, anyway, this thing doesn't end. Every few weeks, I read a new big one. All of it based on one thing. They think they can naturally explain why people fall sick and why people die. <laughs> 
That's where I'm going. They are always doing research to find out, that, okay, why, did, why are these people dying? Why are these people living? Why is it that progress was made in life expectancy for a long time, but now the progress has seemed to stop? That is, no matter how much they do now, people, you know, the life expectancy has peaked, you know. It really, people can't, that is for, for advanced countries, okay? And just by the way, when they see life expectancy, don't, you must understand. If you have a lot of war, life expectancy will be low. Because an average of when people die, for whatever reason, they average everything. Anyway, they say, they found out that, look, the things seem to have peaked in a lot of those countries. They've tried every other thing, people will still die. And they keep researching why. Is it the food? Is it the environment? Is it pollution? Now, why am I talking about it? The truth is that all of that is because it is assumed the whole of life is natural. So they keep searching for food, something in the environment, something in the genes. Those are the three things they search for. Is that in the food or something in the environment or is inside the genes? Basically, that is all. Nobody researches the spiritual side of it. They rarely do. Few people do, but they rarely do. They rarely do. And that's the mistake. Life is actually spiritual. There is a reason. It's a spiritual reason, nothing natural. Why the most backward countries generally are crowded on this continent, generally. There is a spiritual reason for it. There is a spiritual reason why one day Christopher Columbus and co. went, discovered a continent, that North America, and they began to move Europeans and people from different places there. And those ones took over the land. And many times people say, you see, the white people are very wicked. They came and they killed off all the Native Americans, the, what they used to call Indians, because Columbus thought he was going to India. So when he got there, he thought he was in India. So he called those people Indians, and the name stuck. So they've changed it now to be to Native Americans. So they say, wipe out all the Native Americans. What kind of thing is that? We can, we can. One of our brothers was making that noise in the chat. I said, but the Israel people that you guys like so much, they also went to the promised land and wiped out everybody they met in there. It's not new. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it happens. There's a spiritual reason why that happened. I am convinced. God told those people, I am going to wipe you out. And I will give your land to another. I'm con- that is, I don't have a shadow of doubt. That's just how he behaves. He wants for generations. But because this, the world now, they don't understand spiritual things. They don't research to find out why God was angry. Why God decided to dispossess them and give other people their land. And left them only a remnant. That's the way he behaves. The fact is that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all that dwell in it. That's a matter of fact. Nobody can claim any land. You can be making us and going to court. If God says it's not your own, it's not your own. The earth is the Lord's. It's the one that apportions inheritance. So he told the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, all the ites, 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 that I'm going to collect your land and give it to another people. And they called the land a good land. And they called it for Israelites the promised land. And they called it the land of Canaan. That land belonged to the descendants of Canaan. So when you hear the word Canaan now, it sounds like a good word. Like uh, uh, Bishop Edipo named um, the, the university and the whole area Canaan land. Because that land was good. But we forget that Canaan was cursed. That name signifies a curse. So the land of Canaan, what God was saying is that this is a land that I want to dispossess 
some people off and give to another group. So make sure the land was good. They tilled the land. They built houses. They had vineyards and everything. Then one day he came and removed all of them and replaced them with the Israelites. And he told the Israelites, do you know why I removed these people? <laughs> you found out this is the, these are the reasons. And then he won for generations. I don't want to go into too many things now. He wants for generations. His patience, actually, if you have a heart of righteousness, his patience can be annoying. That the patience of God can be very annoying. At least he can be patient 200 years, 300 years, 400 years. He's one in a group of people. He said, but it's not just one person. What happens is that they pass their spirits to their descendants. And actually, maybe one day God will give me enough clarity to be able to teach on it, but I have some understanding about it. This earth is actually, one of the things God is judging on the earth is spirits. It's not just people. He's judging spirits. There's something about it. All right? I can't go into it now. He's judging spirits. That's why he can't use you can judge several generations. And the, the generation that collects the judgment have just been alive for 40 years, 50 years. But he judges them for iniquity collect, uh, committed over the last 300 years. And he brings them on one generation. And he told Israel like that. He told Israel, listen, that Jesus was one speaking. He said, from the blood of Abel down to that of Zechariah, I will bring it upon this generation. He said, how will I do it? I will give them more prophets. They will kill. Israel had been killing prophets. He was accumulating the judgment. And he brought it upon the generation in the time of Jesus Christ. Now, you now say, what is he doing? The truth is that he's judging spirits. Not just judging people. There's a spirit he's judging. There's something that he's judging. So his patience is like that. So he found his patience. You know, he will wait for a long time. Then when he brings forth the judgment, Father in heaven, the inhabitants of the earth will not be able to stomach the things that will happen. The judgments of God come in a number of dimensions. There's what is called sword, which we call war. All right? Firearms these days. You know, explosions, things like that, different ways. Sometimes it's not just war. It's just outbreak of violence. All right? There's, then there's um, farming, another way. Another way he pause for judgment like that. Then there are natural disasters, earthquakes, Fires, tsunamis, stuff like that, you know, hurricanes. Then there are plagues. All of these are judgments that God pours down on people when it is time. Sometimes he arranges them for a people he wants to wipe out. Yeah, he does that. That is, they will start with famine. In the midst of famine, war will break out. At the end of war, plagues will add to it. Why they are contending with the plague, all kinds of natural disasters. At the end of the day, a population of 10 million will remain only like 5,000 people. So they will now be like isolated trees in desert land. And the modern Christians will say, that's the God of the Old Testament. That is a very, very ungodly statement to make. That is God. It's not a God of the Old Testament or God of the New. Those, some people say, no, it's, it's, um, it's the devil. There are powers the devil does not have. Let's just leave it like that. For those who are thinking, the devil, let me quickly drop it for you. I cannot possibly be the devil who wiped out everybody on the earth apart from Noah and his family and animals in an ark. Was it the devil? The God of the previous testament. It's the same God. What we just don't understand is the judgment of God. And that is why you should fear him. He hasn't thrown away his ability to judge 
just because Jesus came and died, what he did was to hand over the whole judgment to Jesus. So he said, the father judges no man. But he has committed all judgment to whom? To the son. I know sometimes, you know, I was just meditating in the office now, thinking about, you know, things and all of that. I just realized something. The one we used to preach. He said, preach the love of God. You preach the love of God. You preach the love of God. You know, I like one thing, one man of God, that David Posse explained. That you know what they call the love of God. Now, he said a lot of things. But the word agape, which we talk about, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. What does that mean? People say, this, oh, that soul is not, oh, I so like this thing. You know, the soul, what does that mean? Intensity of love, of desire. You know, it's the passion. But that, the Bible never said, for God so loved the world in that context. Like, how do you know I love my phone? Good. I have a very nice phone, all right? <laughs> how do you know I love my phone, as an example? It's not, oh, I so love my phone. No, one of the ways I love my phone is that my children don't play games on it. When they come, I say, it's not a toy. They are older now, so they have, and then they have their own game devices. All, most all of them have tabs now. But those when they were younger, they didn't have those things. So when they come, Victor will carry the phone and try to rub it on my finger so as to unlock the phone. I say, forget it. <laughs> so this is how Banky loves his phone. His children don't play games on it. Why? I don't want it to fall and break. I show my care for the phone, but I'm not allowing children to play with it. I show my care for the phone that every single one I have used always had a protective cover. Do you understand my point? I don't want it to smash and I'll be saying, hey, hey, hey. no. Now, it's not the intensity I'm this. When I say, for Banky so loves his phone. No. Go and read the God's Word translation. It gives a correct Greek render what it says. This is how God loved the world. The word so is not just intensity, it's describing the way something is done. For God thus loved the world. The word thus, T-U, you know, T-H-U-S, is a better way to illustrate, to express that thought. This is how God loved the world. I'll begin my point. It's not God so loved the world. No. It's that this is what God did to show his care for the world. He gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever would believe will not what? Perish. Because they are perishing. That is, he is the judge. They must perish. He will send them into the lake of fire. Before the lake of fire, he will destroy them on this earth with plague, with calamities, with sword, with all kinds of things. And he doesn't want to do it. So he says, so that I will not do it, what do I do? I will give them deliverance. So that whosoever we believe will not perish. Please, I hope I get my point. So they separate the love of God. That is the love of God. That is the love of God. The love of God is that Jesus has been given so you will not perish. Praise the love of God. Don't praise the emotion of God. Praise the love of God. You know what Solomon, what Peter said in the house of Cornelius? He said he charged us. To testify, he solemnly or is he solemnly charged us, or he charged us to solemnly testify that is a God appointed judge of the living and the dead. But we said, don't preach judgment, preach what love, because we don't understand what love is. We have this human, you know, human packaged idea of love, which does not, you know, it does not fit God's own. God says, what is a sign that the Father 
loves his son. What is a sign? God says, you will find out that he does what? He disciplines him. But a human being says, what is a sign that this man loves his son? He buys him the latest gadgets. That's human love. But God's love is like, you see this guy loves this boy? He disciplines him. Even though the man is a multi-millionaire, tells the boy, trek like everybody else. Come and wash the car. Iron the clothes. Go out and walk. Go and walk today. Trains him for life. Does not show him too much softness. He says it's a sign that he loves him. It's a he that the father loves. He does what? He chastises. But the world, no. They say, ah, you know, it's mothers that love children. No, it's mothers that spoil children. That's what you want to say. Say the Bible way. Please, I hope you're getting my point now. Alright, so when we say preach the love of God, let's get it clear. It's not preach the softness of the Almighty. Preach that there is judgment coming, but he has sent deliverance. That's how to preach the love of God. Preach that the soul that sins, it shall die. However, the soul that sins can repent and be forgiven and does not have to die and go into eternal condemnation. So you see, life is very spiritual. I was trying to explain. So you know, I went into that and explained something. So God wants people. He takes their land and gives to others. And the world will be offended. They will be angry. Sometimes, you know, the world now, I hope nobody will catch this message now and decide that I'm, I'm a wicked man. You know, this is, you must never, in the world today, if you ever refer to Adolf Hitler, you must paint him back. You must show that he's a devil incarnate. You must never seem to say anything positive about him. A man said something recently about him, I think in Egypt. And they, they, they are still trying to crucify him till today. He didn't say Adolf Hitler was good though. He was just saying that there was an economic policy operated that caused Germany to expand economically. So that they now had the power to wage the war they waged. Just for saying they want to kill him. The man didn't say Adolf Hitler did anything, you know, like he kill, killing people was good. He said this policy that he executed, which is not a lie, for some years before the, the war broke out, they, man, in fact, they said if the man had just managed to die in 1939, Europeans will be worshipping him till today as an economic genius. So what I'm about to say, I hope nobody will crucify him. <laughs> Hitler came after the Jews. Not only the Jews. He killed, you know, the, how many Jews did he kill? Six million. He actually killed like 12 million people. Just that six million were Jews. Killed a lot of people, wiped a lot of people out. But let's talk about the Jews as an, as an example. I can assure you of one thing. First, Hitler was appointed by God, not by the devil. I hope you understand that. The devil doesn't have the power to appoint him, a man like that. Was appointed by God. But God warned, I'm, I'm absolutely certain, that a Hitler will arise. A Hitler will arise. And this is what will happen. He warned. I'm convinced of it. If you read the happiest people on earth, the most current story, which I've, I refer to a lot of times, the, um, the talks went in and wiped out the Armenians. Real genocide. But know the truth? God told them ahead it was going to happen. And he told them the only way you'll be delivered this time is you will get out of here. That the only deliverance I have arranged for you people is that you will listen to the word of this prophecy. All of you will leave and you will travel. And those who laughed at spiritual operations did not travel. And they died. But those who did not laugh they traveled, and one of their descendants is Demos Shakarian and Kim Kardashian. Yeah, they are cousins. Well, they are both Armenians. <laughs> so, the point I'm making is this. So, you see, life is spiritual. God is the judge. 
Life is very, very spiritual. There is nothing physical on it. That's the point I'm not going to make. All of this I've been explaining. Please get it, understand it well. It was God that replaced the Native Americans with the Europeans. Now, this God that has everything under his power is the one that wrote Isaiah chapter 30, of which he read the first 26 verses, which is a message for Christians. We just finished a series on building up our faith. And one, one thing I emphasize along the line, one of the first points I made, we must learn to interpret our lives spiritually. If three people fall down, one is a Muslim, one is a Hindu, one is a Christian. The reason why the Christian man fell down is different from why the Hindu fell. It's different from why the Muslim fell. And if you're a Christian, don't say no, they were shaking the place, everybody had to fall. Ask yourself in your heart, Father, why did I have to fall? People falling on your left and your right is not the reason why you fell. Injustice existed in Egypt. People accusing people wrongly existed in Egypt. But that was not why Joseph went to prison. Why did Joseph go to prison? You and I know, understand it now. God that brought him from his father's land, at the point in time he said, now let's go to this throne. The time for your assignment is drawing near. How do we get to the throne? You go and cool your heels. I don't know for how long. Nothing less than three years minimum. Because from the time he interpreted for those guys till they called him out was at least two years. You're going to cool your heels in Kirikiri maximum for a while. How do you get in there? There's injustice in this land. So let us use the injustice to send you there. So he arranged before, maybe before this man came, um, Joseph, for Mr. Potiphar to marry a wicked sinner. And her name was what? Mrs. Potiphar. And you know the rest of the story. Her job. You know what, the, what, what the Bible says? God has made everything for a purpose. Even with the wicked man, he has made for his role in the day of destruction. Mrs. Potiphar's job was send Joseph to prison. God planted her in the house to send Joseph to prison. And that's the reason why Joseph went to prison. It was not the injustice in the land. It was not Mrs. Potiphar's wickedness. It was the fact that God said your next assignment takes off from prison. Now, that's the point I'm going to make. So we understand, therefore, that even though there was injustice, natural things were happening, the reason why Joseph went to prison is different. That is what it means to be a child of God. Things may happen that's common. Do you understand? It doesn't mean the common reason is the reason it's happening to you. Please follow my point. You know, there's a way God treats his children. You can be living on the street, and there are 150 people living on that street. It's a long street. Meanwhile, the street was carved primarily for your sake. It's just that I didn't want you to live alone on the street. It now packed other people to join you there. So if you pray... That street will be, we, we, we experience peace. If you sin, <laughs> so what, what about the other people? I really don't care. I, I, I hope you get my point. My, they didn't come here today. I'm talking to you. You came here. That's why he's God. He knows how to arrange everything. Go and read my tract if you haven't. Read it again if you have. Are we all equal before God? As unnice as it sounds, we are not. The interesting part is that you can't judge who is what 
You can just treat everybody the same. Let him decide who is what, who is not what. Like I said on Tuesday, a man who was persecuted, a Muslim who the Lord Jesus appeared to, whether in a dream or in real life, I don't know, he gave us a bit of a testimony. He was severely persecuted in northern Nigeria, Fulani man. He ran down to the south. And he encountered us that day looking for money to build his family because he had to pay the transport, the lorries that brought them down. The same man came some weeks later to our office again to come and ask for a bit of money, whether we could just help him, you know, to buy some things because he wanted to start shining shoes. That he had learned to shine shoes. He couldn't shine shoes before. He learned from the guys he met down here to shine shoes and that way he'll make some money. Now, that is a child of God. Some of you listening to me today, maybe he has shined your shoes. He just needed money to buy a brush. I think he needed like, like 500 or 1,000 naira. Then business will take off. He wasn't looking for too much. So you stop, you shine your shoes, you give him 20 naira. If he manages to shine 25 shoes in a day, that's 500 naira. He'll take it home, buy food for his wife and his children. But you know that fellow, as he's sitting down at the feet of a sinner, shining his shoes, he's more important than that sinner. Even though that sinner is worth a billion naira, angels will rush to his help. They will bring him customers. They will teach him integrity. And all he's doing is shining shoes. Like I told you, be careful. When people are shining your shoes, just the worth of that man is not described by the job he's doing. Lazarus was poor and was at the rich man's gate. When he died, angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. So don't judge anybody. That's why the Bible James warned us. Don't look at someone that looks rich and show him a lot of regard. And if he looks poor, you treat him anyhow. One of the you know, safeguards I, I, I use in that area is age. I try to, of course, I try my best to be nice to everybody. But if you look older, I will show you respect. You come in, I will stand, I will greet you, I will bow. Rich or poor, mm -hmm, that one doesn't concern me. Sometimes I see people, <laughs> like in my office, one day I saw a resident talk to one of the other staff. And like this guy, you, in my mind, you don't fear God. Is it because, you know, in the rankings, it's ranked junior staff, and you are ranked senior staff? Maybe if you use the normal civil service of which the directors are on 17, you probably be already on like level 13. And this guy, by his qualification, he can never cross level 3 all his life. Let him work in that place for 20 years. And I saw this man talk to this man. Like, i like, Jesus, don't you fear God? So you don't know the worth of any individual. That's just an aside. Just treat everybody nicely. But bear in mind the story I told you. A persecuted Fulani man who converted to Christianity is in Enugu right now shining shoes. So be nice to every Fulani man that offers to shine your shoe. He may just be the special child of God who angels are escorting. Let me drop something. This is not part of my message. Just like dropping it. Never in your life be an oppressor. Because some people you are trying to oppress, if you know who is defending them, you will run for your life. Just be it. You know them to be an oppressor, let me tell you. Just to use your power that you think you have somebody does not have to take advantage of the person unjustly, unfairly. You see, a warning I'm giving you. The poorer the person is, the more your life is in danger. If the fellow is fatherless, you know, motherless, no relatives, no money, is young, 
So you have everything, you have money, and you decide to oppress. That you will die is guaranteed. It's either your death will be painful or painless, slow or protracted. Is the one that we'll be discussing. And I don't mean that everybody's going to die. You know that. I mean die early. Die before your time. Die before your destiny is fulfilled. That's what I'm talking about. The discussion is whether it will be painful or painless. Slow or quick. Because there are things that the Lord, ah, yeah, he takes them, eh? <laughs> that is why some of the most, some of the people that we judge the most on this earth are policemen and soldiers. Not for any other reason that they have power. That's all. That's the only reason. You know, there are some sins you can't commit if you don't have power. I'm not saying that God hates policemen or soldiers. I didn't say that. I'm just saying when you're a sinner and you don't have power, ha ha, you are likely to oppress people. And when you're an oppressor, God is your enemy. Like God just starts in the morning, say, who do I fight today? Say, ah, Lord, you, you know you have an enemy in the enemy. Well, okay, call him for me. Beat him. You wake up in the morning, your neck will be paining. You won't know. It's one, it's <laughs> one angel at night that clubbed your neck because you are the Lord's enemy. And he didn't kill you that night just because he's hoping you will repent. That's just the way he behaves. Again, like I said, that is an aside. So, everybody... Alright? You don't know who's precious. I just want to drop that. So, but God treats people differently. That's what I'm going to make. So, he can be on the street. Power goes off. You are the reason power went off. It comes back. You are the reason it comes back. You pray about it. It's more constant. One testimony the Prince shared. He and his wife, of course, by birth, he was British. Then one, but he wasn't living there, and he was living in the U.S. or somewhere at that time. So he came for a program in the U.K., and his wife didn't like cold. So before they arrived, they prayed about the weather. So people had warned them that it's a bit cold. They said, no, don't worry about that. It'll be okay when we arrive. They arrived, and London was okay. It was warm. The weather was beautiful. So they stayed like a week. Everybody said, man, like, you're very lucky. You came when the weather was good. <laughs> The man looked like he don't know what is going on. As they were about to leave, the wife told them that your weather is about to leave. Don't worry about it. And as soon as they take off, next day, phew, cold returned. Everybody, everywhere froze over again. The Lord warmed the whole city. Because two of his children asked him, we are going there, we don't like cold. Life is spiritual. I'm saying all of this to just emphasize the fact that please stop thinking yourself, of yourself as normal. You're not an average person. If you recognize this thing that I'm saying, you will experience it more. You will experience it more. That's why, like the Reverend said, God holds, in any nation where the church is established, God holds the church responsible for everything that happens in that country. If there's kidnapping, he says your gospel. You are not preaching the, the, the true message. People are lying too much. If there's trouble, Boko Haram say people didn't preach. You were just there building denominations. You withdrew the power to keep places at peace. So at least this has caused you to start praying. That's how he does. Please let's bear these things in mind. I'm just going to emphasize something. I think I don't know why I can't leave it yet because I've not gone to the thing I want to say. This, this, this is a preamble, actually. Right? 
I'm preambling to get to the point that we read from Isaiah chapter 30, the first 26 verses. So when God is explaining something to you, like we read there, he said people are looking for comfort. They are looking for prosperity. They are looking for an established future. Are you getting me? And he said, but they are rebellious children. What do I mean? He said they execute a plan. They make plans, but not mine. Their plans are contrary to mine. They make an alliance, but not as directed by my spirit. He said, therefore, they are piling up sin on top of sins. That is, the sin that they had was the reason why they got into the trouble that they are in currently. And then trying to come out of that trouble, instead of seeking the way of God, they are making alliances that are not directed by the spirit. Now, please, let me explain something here. I don't know. Anytime I get here, I have to go into this. Anybody can hear anything he wants to hear when he goes to pray. I've read, I've written in that book, um, guided by the spirit, that when the spirit is polluted, it decides, I mean, the things that people will hear, supposedly from the spirit, will be wrong. So the primary assignment of believers is to keep their spirits clean. We saw last time, we're talking about, we compared Isaiah, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 with uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And when Paul said, do not be drunk with wine in Ephesians, but be filled with the Spirit, we saw that what he was saying was explained in Colossians chapter 3 as let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So when he's saying here that they make alliances, but not by my Spirit. I've heard Christians say a lot of times, they will do what is obviously wrong. They will tell you that is what the Holy Spirit said they should do. People have married unbelievers, serious Christians, married unbelieving persons. Why? Because their spirit said, marry this person. And they want me to take it seriously. Like I always say, that spirit was high on ego. The spirit drank something when he told you that. Because it cannot be the Holy Spirit. Like I, and I wrote in that book, that when the spirit is polluted, and the spirit of Christians can be polluted, it is a cleansing of spirit as our job as believers. Make sure, Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and of spirit. So you see, spirit can be polluted. So when God is saying here, they make alliances, but not by my spirit. Don't think that he was just saying, go home, pray until your spirit tells you something. Those things, your spirit tells you what you want to hear. I can assure you, 90, no, no, 90 is not good. 95% of the times, Christians return with what they wanted to hear before. They just needed to give it a name that is the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's only when the word has dwelt in you that you will be able to make decisions by the spirit. And when you get to what you call a a crossroads, when you get to that particular point, a junction, you don't know whether to go left or to go right, but every other thing, that is, all the parameters you have, have satisfied what you know as far as the word of God is concerned, then you will hear a voice behind you saying, Go to the left or go to the right. But most times, the voice does not say anything. The voice just leads, in fact, God just leaves you to go and pray. Alright? And what are you getting by those prayers? You are get, you are analyzing the facts. He gives you five facts. You take the first one, analyze with prayer. Because God is not just out here to give us instructions. He wants to train us into becoming true sons. Did you hear what I said? 
Part of what he's doing is to train us into becoming true children of God. That is, people that think the way he thinks. So most of the times what he does in giving us leading is just to expose information to us. And based on the information, we make the right decisions. And that decision is by the Spirit. Why? We are making them based upon the instructions of the Word of God that we have been given. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, so he said they make alliances, but not by my spirit. What was he saying? They, deli- they do things that are not in line with what they have taught. And let me say something to you again. If you are deliberately ignorant, you are held responsible as if you knew and disobeyed. Do you hear what I said? Spiritually, ignorance is not a, also not an excuse. You have a duty as a believer to go and learn what is right and what is wrong. You have been a Christian for 10 years. You don't know some principles of doing business and you have not gone to learn it. Every time you make a mistake, you will get collect judgment. Don't worry about it. You will. You will be classified as being disobedient. I did not know does not fly when you had time to learn. Did you hear what I said? I did not know does not fly if you had time to learn. If when, like, okay, last week, as an example, we, we did um, business by the Spirit. It's already a week. In fact, eight days, because we started on Friday. On Friday. Let us assume we are now, of course, we announced it. We did. One or too many times, just about a week. We took about two announcements, just two days. And then you, you come here regularly, you hear the announcement, and then you now decided that you have a wedding. Everybody should have weddings. I mean, like, not a big deal. Then that Friday, you were with the tailor. They were making the wedding dress because you have to be with your friend. No problem. Everything taught that time. Listen, I know you had a wedding. I use wedding because it's such a, such a genuine excuse. Everything we taught that Friday and Saturday, every rule of God you break since that Friday, Saturday, Till today is counted against you. If we taught it on Friday and Saturday, do you know why? You knew we were going to do it. You did not show up. You weighed your priorities and decided a fine dress is more important than a Friday meeting. And then Saturday, you have to get there on time. It's more important than being here. Now listen, do you know? Do you know I didn't know you. Uh, no, nobody reported you to me in case you say Pastor Bangi. They came and told you. I'm just talking. So if it coincides with your matter, then it is repentance God is asking you to get engaged in. And then you did not show up. Listen, I'm not joking about this. Every wrong decision you make, you've made since this last one week, and you will continue to make from today, is not held, is not counted the same way it was counted the previous week. Because the time of your visitation came. You know, I, I think my messages, I've made up my mind. I'm not teaching people are not serious again. I'm teaching serious Christians. If you know the demand that God places on his children, except you believe in grace. You know, I told you before, my yoke is easy, my body is light. It's only because he operates what? Grace. Like I used to tell my wife, I said, <laughs> if it was possible to know what I know, even though it's not possible, it's not possible. If it was possible to know what I know now about marriage, I would never have married if I was not a believer. 
It's just that you won't know it, shall because it's only being a believer that allows you that knowledge, that revelation. Because my understanding is that, ah, this is the way it is. When, you know when Jesus made a statement to Peter and Co? You know what he said? He says, better not to marry. That's what he said. That's what they all said. They didn't know. This is this man is saying. No. They had their reasons. He said, but uh, you know that you say marry. Yes, because I'm a believer and I believe in what? Grace. I believe in grace. So we held that grace. Because when God arranges things like that, I mean, without the grace of God, it can't work. So that's why I, mean. I want you to see the demand so, I, so that you don't get scared. If you see the demand that God places on believers, the only reason why we still do it is because it's not by our power. So he said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus. I know what I'm saying. So as believers, listen to this. If we decide to be ignorant by refusing to make choices that direct us towards information and knowledge, we're head responsible. So there are statements you can't make. The Bible is full of instructions. Acquire knowledge. Acquire understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. So if you are not deliberately going out to learn wisdom and learn the knowledge of truth, you are walking in sin. You are walking in sin. If you are not deli- I don't know whether you are getting my point. If you are too busy to study, if you are too busy to pay attention to messages, if you are too busy to get a book and read, you are a sinner. It's not condemnation. I'm telling you the truth. He said wisdom is what? The principal thing. Therefore, do what? Get wisdom. If you are not doing it, you are disobeying that instruction. In life, you have to give something up to get something. 24 hours, it is what you do with it that matters. Don't say there's not enough time. If there's not enough time, you are doing things that you're not supposed to do. David Poston was quoting one man. He said, that the man said, about time, that we don't have enough time to do everything we want, we want to do in this life. He said, but there is enough time to do everything God wants us to do. So if the time is not enough, you are not arranging it well. I'm not talking to you alone. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to my wife. I'm talking to everybody, including me. In fact, of which I am chief, like Paul would say. God came to save sinners. Paul said, of which I am what? I'm chief. So I came to correct Christians, of which I'm chief. Amongst people who may be disobeying this. So I'm not talking about all of us are like that. We have to prioritize our times. We have to ensure that we know what is valuable. As a matter of fact, if you deliberate, that is, if you are not deliberate in seeking out truth, so that you can know it and walk by it, you are shortening yourself. You are walking below the glory of God. And it's not, there's no excuse. You, listen, let me say it again. You are held responsible as if you knew and you disobeyed directly. It's called the time of visitation. The way God does that is a period in your life as a believer. You must acquire some knowledge. I said something last time, no, on Tuesday. Yeah, no, last, it was last week. To whom much is given? Much is expected. Abraham did not have a Bible. So God didn't expect him to know the kind of things that David will we'll know later. David had at least Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and maybe Joshua. 
You understand? And possibly judges. I suspect he may have had judges. There's a reason why. Okay? Some of those books. God said he must read it. You know what God said to Joshua? This book of the law. So Joshua had what? He had the book of the law. So God said, if you want to fail, don't read it. If you want to succeed, read it. But you know, being a military commander, the more likely thing is that he wake up in the morning and go to training. He has soldiers under him. He has to supervise their training. That's the thing he's more likely to be doing. He's more likely to be planning strategies. He was the ruler of Israel in the wilderness after Moses left. But you know what Moses had warned him? God had warned him. Oh boy. If you want to fail, do that. If you want to fail, get up in the morning, go to Opera Square and be jogging. If you want to fail, run to, run off to the gym. Gather your soldiers. Let I, let I be doing that one. Be doing it. You will start losing battles. That's what God told him. He said, what should I do if I want to succeed? He said, it's simple. When you wake up, tell the soldiers the way though. There are things that are more important. Recite the Ten Commandments. Recite the instructions I have given to you. Read them out. Get a priest to come to, with you to the training ground. Tell him to read the instructions of Moses. Spend the first 30 minutes reading out the instructions to everybody. Then let them declare, The Lord our God, He is one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy might. Let them recite the Ten Commandments. We take 30 minutes, maybe one hour. When the priest is done, let him go home. Then start your training. If you say there's no time, there's no time, there's no time, there's no time. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you, all of us fall for these things. There's a day in our house, you know, <laughs> rushing, up to, rushing up to school. The children wake up in the morning, have their bath. They won't rush that one. They will eat. There's no rushing it. And their mother will come down and go through all the assignments, whether they finish or not finish. Which note is complete, which note is not complete. It's not when they have exam. And now maybe I'm the one driving them to school. Say, hey, please pray with them in the car. They have not prayed. Say, no, 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 no. Why? We're in a hurry. Okay, please pray with them as they are going. So as they are driving out, somebody give thanks for us. God just look all of us there. <laughs> now, Wow. <laughs> God is just looking at it. These people are not serious at all. So one day, I listened to the Holy Spirit. I called my wife. I said, baby, baby, please sit down. I said, do you know why this prayer is a car and rush the prayer for five minutes happens? It is not the first thing in the morning. So we arrange the order. So kiddos, when you wake up, so that you can fully wake up, you know, if you just wake up from the bed, sit down to pray, you go back to sleep there. So you have a choice of two. You either eat or you have a bath. So some will go and eat, some will have a bath. But then, after some time, everybody gather to pray. Then, we'll take enough time to pray and share the word. We'll read the Bible. We only have a Bible reading, a short exhortation, and then prayer. Okay, prayer to start, then prayer to end. So, sometimes the mother will come and say, like, ah, you are still there. You know, like, maybe, you know, if I'm the one, you know, Pastor can take time. I'll be, you know, sharing the word. And uh, in my mind, uh, go, and rush, go and rush every other thing. Rush the assignment is good. Rush dressing up. Forget, okay, you couldn't find one sock. Wear one sock and go to school. That is better than this one that we are rushing times, guys. We are driving, okay, somebody be, okay, read someone there. Okay, what did the Lord say? 
Always be looking like, I, I don't know if you're serious in this family. Of course, when this session started, for certain reasons, the old order wanted to reassert itself. After one week or two weeks, my wife said, hey, what is going on here? We are beginning to rush prayer again. Say, no, 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 no. We are going back to that order. It is prayer first. Listen to me, these are the little disciplines God expects from us. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, so you will be careful to observe all that is written therein. That way you will make your way prosperous, and you will have what? Good success. So, making alliances by the Spirit, bear it in mind, is not hearing your spirit, is deliberately building, going out of your way to learn, like we said last time. I began this explaining that life is spiritual. Very, very spiritual. So, if I don't have a job, it's a spiritual reason. If my business is not doing well, it's a spiritual reason. If I'm not making the kind of progress I think I should be making, it's a spiritual reason. Please bear that in mind. If I go to prison, there's a spiritual reason. And it's a unique reason. I don't care whether SARS people are doing what is right or they are not doing what is right. EFCC may have arrested me wrongly. That's not the reason why. As a child of God, I'm going to prison. It's a spiritual reason. If I fail an exam, my reason as a child of God is spiritual. If I am promoted, there is a spiritual reason. If I am denied promotion, there is a spiritual reason. If the economy of the country is not doing well, we are all responsible. If I am suffering in it, there is a spiritual reason. When I say we are all responsible, I mean the church as a body, we are responsible. If I am suffering inside it, there is a spiritual reason, which is personal to me, which I must address. So God says, if I want to come out of my narrow situation, if I want to come out of the place where I am, where I do not want to be, and I believe I should be out of here, you know what he says? There are different ways, ways people do it. We rest on one at the other time. Open for me the gates of God. Now, the reason is that there are many ways to get out of one place and get into another. One of them, not two. One, one. Only one is the gate of God. 